Take your Bibles to John chapter 20 and verse 31. Of all the passages, of all the places of John, first of all, the Gospel of John is one of my favorite books of all the New Testament. Of the, of the four Gospels, uh, it is one of my favorite of the four. I, I like Luke a lot, and Mark's good. Matthew's real nice. It's just hard to say one over the other. Each has its own perspective. John portrays Jesus as deity. It's not just a man that's come, not a good man, not a prophet. Yeah, he is all of those, but he's deity. He's the son of God. He's God manifest in the flesh. Uh, had Jesus just been a good man or a prophet, what he said he would not have had power to accomplish. But because he came as God's son, the only begotten, the uniquely begotten Son of God. Never had God come as a servant, a form of man, in likeness of men, as the Bible said. And then he came to take upon our sin, just like Adam represented everybody to death and to sin, so now Jesus represents those who believe to life. It's beautiful. I, I tell you what, I'm not following the old Adam, I'm following... Jesus Christ, called the last Adam. And uh, in John chapter 20, verse 31, it's, and you want to maybe mark this, it's the theme verse. It's the theme verse for the whole book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Of course, this is a passage that uh, I chose to preach in Preacher Boys Contest at Bob Jones University in 1973 or 4, and uh, memorized it and prepared a memorized sermon around it. And I was competing against Danny Whetstone, so you know I had no hope. Danny was about my age, he's my age within a few months. And Danny won the whole thing. He won the whole Preacher Boys contest. There's 1,100 of us in it. So, I mean, it wasn't an easy competition. And old Danny, I remember he preached that day. He preached, he preached good. He was a good preacher back then. God had gifted him. I have a little Panacea, Florida, out of a little one-stoplight town. I don't even think it's got a stoplight. You go through Panacea, you're just like through it. And God chose that old boy out of Panacea, Florida, doing a mighty... Mighty good things by submitting his life to Christ, and he'll do the same through you if you'll give him your life. I want to bring out three major observances about this verse. I know a little bit more about the verse than I did in 1973 and 74. I preached by faith a lot as a young man, meaning I had not lived very much and had not had the walk with God that you get by age. And so the messages were a lot of assumed truth on the Bible. And you, by the way, the Bible said, that Paul tells Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. 
And I had an old preacher tell me a good thing. He says, son, you don't know much about life, so don't get out there. Don't start wandering out there where you don't, on thin ice. He said, just preach the Bible. He said, the Bible's got the authority. There's nobody in the room older than the Bible, that's for sure. There may be some old folks in here, but nobody even close to the Bible. And for sure it's not in the wisdom. So he said, just preach it. Preach it. So I was a young man, man, I got up there, hellfire, damnation, preach the Bible. It's true. It's still true today. Just as true as I began to preach it. Why do we have a book called the Bible? Why did God use this book? Why has he used a book? Why has it been preserved? some 3,500 years in total. I believe it reveals a few points here that we're going to learn from this verse this morning. The Bible was not written primarily so that you can have a better family. I know that today the emphasis, oh my, my, the emphasis on the family, 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 but you don't get a better family by talking about having a better family. I wish I could tell you you did, but you don't. You have a better family by emphasizing Jesus Christ. And when you emphasize the Bible and Jesus Christ, you get a better family. But you don't get a better family by talking about the better, better family and all this other, even though some of that's not all bad. Uh, the Bible was not written primarily that you could learn to cope with other people, though, Lord have mercy, we need help there, amen? The Bible was not written primarily that you could learn how to raise good kids. First of all, you don't know how to raise good kids naturally. God's the only one that knows how to raise kids. You might as well just do it his way. And even at that, they may not come out good. And parents said, almost every one of you that had very many kids got a black sheep. What do I mean by black sheep? That's a kid who went wild. A kid who just rejected everything you taught him. You taught you took you, you took them to church from the time they get up. It's Sunday morning, Sunday night, wasn't night. You showed them nothing but light. You're not perfect, but you got right with God when you when you made mistakes and when you sinned, and you showed them that you were real and transparent. Yeah, they decided not to live for God. That's because God protects the thing called the free will. He protects the free will. They have a free will. I, I learned this week. I don't. I'm not much into uh, rock music, but I did read about a, a girl called Katy Perry. Katy Perry, if you look at her, you want to stare at her because she's beautiful. She is absolutely a beautiful girl. But she is a dedicated lesbian and promotes lesbianism and was raised in a fundamental Bible-believing church. Went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Her mom and dad took her to rock concerts to protest them. They would, they would put signs up protesting them that these things are of the devil and wicked. She was raised in the Bible, went to Christian camp. Somewhere, sometime, Katy Perry decided that God was not for her and turned away from her. See, you don't, though, you, you, you don't read the Bible. So, see, sometimes people seek Christianity for the wrong reasons. They seek it like it's, a, it's an answer for a problem. That's not where you're going to get your answer. You're going to get your answer based on what this verse is talking about. This is your answer. Chapter 20, verse 31. And if you'll seek what God says to seek, the rest of these things will fall however they fall out. They'll fall out. The Bible is not primarily written so that you could have financial success. But a lot of people try, I'm not saying the Bible won't help you financially. It'll help you because it tells you not to, not to be a borrower but a lender. 
it's always, people call me on the phone and say, hey, I'll give you this credit card for a super low rate. And I'll say, I don't pay interest. And they'll say, well, what do you mean? I'll say, I don't pay interest. I make interest. That's the side of it you want to be on. Amen? Somebody else say amen. We're going to be here a long time. You're a rough crowd today. The Bible was not written primarily that you could over, learn to overcome anger, though I think you should, or overcome fear, though you should, or other emotional problems that we may stumble across or have in our lives. The Bible will help you with all those things, but that's not the primary reason the Bible was written. Here's why it was written. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that believing you might have life through his name. These truths, first of all, were written. Why were they written? It's not just written in ink and paper and, and or pen or papyrus or whatever. It is written in heaven. The Bible says of itself, these, these are forever settled in heaven. They're written so that they would have, number one, the first point is that they would be permanent. The words of the Bible are not like words of any other book. They're written uh, over a period of 1,600 years for, by over 40 different individuals from different centuries. These individuals were from different cultures, from different economic statuses. They were from different social statuses. Uh, this, this, this Bible, copied over 3,500 years, both old and new, Copied and copied and copied and copied and copied. But it has been verified by more extant manuscripts, more, manu more manuscript evidence than any other historical document. Now listen to that. This isn't just a wild-eyed Baptist preacher talking crazy. These are facts that I have researched. The Bible has been documented more by by manuscript evidence than anything else written in the world times 10 better. Time, that's being conservative. Times 10. If you don't believe the Bible, I'm talking about literary honesty here, okay? I'm talking about literary honesty. If you don't believe the Bible is reliable and true to what it says, then you can't believe any other document that has been historically written and copied and copied and copied. Nothing, nothing comes close to the reliability, the manuscript evidence that the Bible has behind it. And God made that happen. Um, it's verified by more archaeological evidences than any document of its age. Uh, years ago, the Hittite people, the liberals, the liberals are something else, I'll be honest with you. They said there was no Hittites. We've never, the Bible talks about the Hittites being a huge, a huge, massive uh, nation and everything. No, there's no Hittites. We haven't found anything about them, so they don't exist. Not long after that, they archaeologically discovered that the Hittite Empire was one of the massive empires that the Bible said it was. It's like our brother told in Sunday school class about the Reed Sea. That's a liberal, that's a liberal egg they want to hatch. I mean, they say, well, now, you know, the, the children of Israel went out of Israel. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they didn't go, ah, that wasn't two walls of water on both sides of one on dry land and the Red Sea. It's too deep for that. It's too big, too deep. That couldn't happen. They went in a place called the Reed Sea. There was just a little manuscript difference there. 
And our brother brought out very apropos, the reed sea is only two to six inches deep. And I'm going to tell you, it's a bigger miracle to drown the whole Pharaoh, Pharaoh's army in six inches of water than it was just to go through the Red Sea and have the walls, have the walls of water fall on them and drown them, which has said their bodies floated up on the shore. Damn. It's verified by historical references from secular literature more than any other book. The secular literature verifies the scriptures. Uh, it's referred to by Peter as a more sure word of prophecy. What Peter's talking about, he's talking about miracles going on, but he's saying, yeah, miracles are wonderful, and Peter saw his share of miracles, amen. But he said, the miracles aren't as sure as the written word of God. He said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Some 300 prophecies have been fulfilled around Jesus' life alone. Um, the, the uniqueness of the Bible is the fact that it has prophecy. In other words, 700 years before the birth of Jesus and before his life, it said, surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But we just uh, uh, see him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of, of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Surely uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And on and on and on. Isaiah 53. I asked a Jewess one time after explaining her Isaiah 53 and reading down, a Jewish girl, by the way, was forbidden to read it her whole life. The first time she read it, she's an 85-year-old woman. I said, read that. We read through that, and I said, who in world history? And she's a pretty smart old girl. Who in world history? She said, there's only one person in world history. It has to be Jesus. And she bowed her head and asked Jesus to be her Messiah. And, brother, I was there. I got to be there for that. An old 85-year-old Jewess asked Jesus to save her. If you take the eleven, the eight, eight major prophecies around the birth, the death of Christ, uh, it's unbelievable. The probabilities of just eight of those, there's over 300, but just eight of those being fulfilled. And I've said this over and over because it's just astounding. The illustration is given of uh, the probability of, of Jesus having eight prophecies, and there are so many that were fulfilled, but just eight would be like taking the state of Texas and putting it two feet deep in silver dollars, going, taking one of those silver dollars and putting an X on it, and having a man go anywhere he wanted in the state of Texas and burying that, and then take another person who never saw where he went and said, now you have one opportunity to find that silver dollar with the X on it and having that guy go find it. The probability of that guy finding that silver dollar with the X on it is the same probability as just eight of the prophecies around the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus Christ. But the more I study the Bible, the older I get, the more sure I am that it's the Word of God. The more sure I am above all. And you say, well, well there, there are other holy books. There are no other holy books with the prophecy that has been fulfilled as the Bible has it. There are no other holy books with the historical evidences that attest to its reality. There's no other holy books. Name them. There's no other holy books with as much uh, of a documental evidence as the Bible has. Wow. You don't think I'd want to throw my life away on something that wasn't true, do you? At 18 years old, I decided to follow Jesus. And I, I set out 
to know whether the Bible was really worthy of my life. You know what I mean by that, right? Worthy of giving my life. And here I am at 65, and I'm more sure today that it is worthy of the life I've been giving it and, and continue to give God. I, I am, whoo, I'm singing as I go now. I'm clipping coupons. I know you women would love that. But these are written. Why? So that they would be permanent. Second point is that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Why? That these truths would be personal. The truths of the gospel are not just a general creed that you learn. It's not a good, just a good work that you do. It's not a catechism which you memorize and repeat. Jesus Christ, God's Son, wants to be your personal Savior. How many times have I asked people, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Now, if you just ask the question, do you know Jesus Christ your Savior, many of them would say, yes, I do. Meaning, they have the creed. Uh, they've learned a doctrine. They have a catechism. In other words, they have, an, they have a head knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Many people you ask out there will say, yes, I know who he is. Yes, he is my Savior. But when you ask him, do you know Christ personally? Do you walk with him and talk with him? Do, do, do you fellowship with him? Is it based on the word of God? Have you trusted him? That's a whole nother world. That's a whole nother world. Paul in Philippians 3.10 says, But I may know him. I may know him. The word there is experientially know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Ooh. Being made conformable to his death. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. He wrote him. That it would be in writing so that it would be permanent and repeatable to generation after generation. He wrote them so that it would be personal. Christ, God's Son, came for you personally. He loves you personally. In John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip said to Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. It, it satisfies. Jesus said, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest then, show us the Father? Now, no, no Jew. Remember, Jesus is a Jew. No Jew that knows the law of Moses would ever say that. Never. Unless they were who they said they were. And had they said that, they had broken the very first commandment of all the commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And yet Jesus said, you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Have you been walking with me and have you been talking with me and not knowing me? Uh, being, being a child of God is a relationship. It is a one-to-one -one relationship with God that made you and formed you. You know, think about it this way. God thought about you when he made you. Uh, the uh, um, Pharaoh is getting ready to have a child here. But God thought about that child before the foundation of the world because he knows the beginning and the end. And he formed that child's nose 
and he formed that child's ears, and he formed that child's hair color, and, and he may have made that child, it is a boy, by the way, they've cheated, it, and they, he may have had that boy where he never goes bald, though he has hair at least 65. But God's going to do it. God the Father confessed that Jesus was his son in Matthew chapter 3. The demons, listen to this, the demons confessed that Jesus was the son of God, the son of the Most High, the Holy One of Israel, over and over again. John the Baptist confessed that Jesus was the very son of God in John 1.34. Nathaniel confessed Jesus was the son of God in John 1.49. Jesus confessed that he was the son of God. In John chapter 5, verse 25, the blind man that he healed in John 9 confessed that he was the Son of God. Martha confessed that Jesus was the Son of God in John chapter 11, verse 27. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch confessed that Jesus was the Son of God in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. Paul the apostle confessed that Jesus was the Son of God in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. On and on and on it goes. I've met people say, well, Jesus wasn't God. Jesus never claimed to be God. They haven't read the book. But these are written so you have permanence. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. It's about a relationship. It's about a relationship. God wants to have a relationship with you. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing. I remember, I remember when I was 16 years old, you know, I was hoping some girl would like me. You know, and I was out there, I was out there doing the rooster thing. You know what I mean by the rooster thing? Rooster, if you watch chickens much, roosters are very, they'll sit there and they'll kind of, especially if a rooster's good looking. If a rooster has a big old, you know, uh, dewlaps and. And he'll kind of, there'll be a bunch of hens around. He'll kind of walk around like. He'll take like. I mean, he takes poses. They literally. Flop, you know, you know, when a girl comes by and all the boys go. I get a kick out of these teenage boys that want to button their shirt down, unbutton their shirt down to here. The women don't want to see that old little skinny chest of yours. But the guy don't know that. I remember being 16 going around trolling. And uh, no girl liked me. Couldn't blame him. I didn't like me. And I thought, boy, no girl's ever going to like me. And then one day my eyes met with Kathy's eyes. And instead of looking away, she looked back. And there was kind of a na 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 There was some sound going on there. I don't know what it was. But I mean, it was like, I looked away and I looked back. And she looked back. And the rest is history. And she has spent her, literally, her life with me. And, and I can't imagine why. Really. It's not explainable. 
And I can't imagine more so why God would want me to be around him. Why would God want me to be around him? Why would God want to fellowship with him? But he loved me so much that he sent his only son that I could have my sin. The, the issue of sin has to be dealt with. For God to be just, he has to deal with the violations. And he dealt with the violations on Calvary. And Jesus Christ took all of our sin upon him on Calvary and died. And three days later, the seal of all the people out there that said they're the Christ, David Koresh and Jim Jones, just to name a few in recent history, and there's so many more, Muhammad and all these other people said, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. I'm the Christ. And Jesus said, after me, there'll be many Christs. But how are you going to know? Resurrection. Resurrection is the only seal that God placed upon one person, and that was Jesus Christ, his son. The resurrection is the seal of God the Father that this is the one. Of all the false claims, this is the one right here, Jesus Christ, my son. He's the one. And if you'll go to him and believe in him, simple childlike faith as who he said he is, the Savior, and you do it with all your heart, I'm going to save you. I'm going to seal you with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to put your name in my book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And you are going to spend eternity with me. And just the same awe that I have that Kathy would want to spend a lifetime with me. I have a whole lot more all that God wants to be with me. To the place he placed the Holy Spirit in me day by day. Because see, I know me. It ain't pretty. The old bill is not pretty. Not pretty to be around, not pretty to be observed. And yet, by the grace of God, he came in and saved me and forgave me of all my sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus, Jesus is the Christ. Son of God. Now, that excludes the many roads to heaven, doesn't it? See, there's people out there, the liberal, again a liberal. Liberal comes up with this wacky idea. Oh, all roads lead to heaven. Well, that means Jesus was a liar because he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. I always confront them with that. And when they tell me, well, all roads, son, all roads lead to heaven. You surely don't think that this group over here is going to die and go down. You surely don't think. I said, I didn't make this stuff up. I didn't write it. I'm telling you what Jesus said. If, G if it doesn't happen the way he said, then he isn't who he said he was, and he's a liar. And they'll look at you and go, now, all right. I wouldn't call Jesus a liar now. That's, that's kind of going, well, that's just exactly what you did. Quit running around the bush. If what he said is not true, he's a liar or he's a lunatic. He thought it was true and he didn't know what he was talking about. But I believe that he is who he said he was. And the, the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. It says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then the last part's the best. So we have permanence in the first part of that verse. In the second part, we have a personal walk with God. And in the third part, and the best is last, 
that you might believe, and believing you might have life through his name, and the believing you might have life, that it will produce life. That it will produce life. These truths are to be permanent, absolutely. These truths are personal, and these truths, once received, produce life. God cannot ignore the, the violations of right and purity and honesty. He dealt with that in his son, Jesus Christ. And now he offers to you eternal life freely as a gift. What have you done with Jesus? What have you done? God the Father and Jesus make it clear that life comes in one way through his name and no other name. Have you received Jesus as not a Christ, but the Christ, the Son of the living God? When you do that by faith, God will come to you and manifest himself to you. The Bible says the Spirit of God will witness with your spirit that you're his. Oh, there are many, many evidences God gives us as we go along in this Christian walk that we are his children. Many directions and many evidences, but you don't start with evidence. You start with faith. Believe him on his word. As the Holy Spirit comes by and says to you, this is right, this is the truth, believe it. And if you obey that still small voice and say, I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and you in simple childlike faith confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. God will save you and birth you into the family. That doesn't mean, as brother, you so well spoke this morning, doesn't mean the end of trouble, amen. I wish I could tell you getting saved, man, everything's going to come up roses, man. That's just, no, you're going to have all kinds of heartache. You're going to have all kinds of things common to man. You're, you're going to get sick. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. But you know the difference between you and the world? You got Jesus through it all. You can walk with him through it all. Many times I've been depressed. I'm not depressed very often, but when I get depressed, I go down, brother. I go down. And when I go down into that valley of depression, that valley of despond, as Pilgrim's Progress calls it, I start singing. It's all I can do. I don't have any ability to do anything else but sing. I don't sing very good, but God don't care. I start singing. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. And you know, I started singing, How Great Thou Art. I started singing at Calvary. I started singing uh, a lot of things. There's so many songs. But as the Holy Spirit moves the song, I'll sing it. And sometimes I forget the words, but God doesn't care. I just make my own words up. So it's a beautiful life. It's a beautiful life to have Jesus as your Savior. I hope today you're not listening to me, whether here or the Internet. This goes all over the world, really. And I hope you don't miss Jesus. The one question you want to ask yourself, and will be asked you, what have you done with Jesus in this life? I hope you believe and receive him as your Savior. The Bible says as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Father, come this morning.
as you are so faithful to your word. You're so faithful to the preaching and lifting up of Jesus. In my feeble way, I've lifted Christ up today. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God may take, when the Son of Man's lifted up, he draw them into himself. There's some people in this room need to be saved, need their sins forgiven, need a new life in Christ. May it be now, may it be today. They don't know how long they're going to live. None of us do. But may today be the day they say yes. May a time of invitation they come forward and just let go a lady with a lady in a room behind me here quietly in a safe place and have the gospel explained to them and pray with that person. Why not? Father, make it so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.